Hello and welcome to this edition of Wineskins, a program that features reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with information on topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Jim Cordo. Wineskins is brought to you by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our show today, Bishop David Bonner will speak on the proposed November Amendment. We will also look at the life of St. Pope Leo the Great, as well as reflections on the readings for this 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time. That and more coming up on Wineskins. In our current issue segment, we will welcome Dr. Tracy Lamont. Joining me again is Dr. Tracy Lamont, who is the director of the Loyola Institute for Ministry and assistant professor of religious ed and young adult ministry in New Orleans. Welcome back to Wineskins. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You know, the last time you were with us last week, we got some wonderful information on what Gen Z is, but also focusing on young people and the priorities of listening to them and how important that is. One of the areas that I like us to talk about is that whole area of spirituality, because I think that's so important for any age, that we have some relationship with God and with others. So how do you talk about that spirituality with young people. I think one of the most powerful things that can happen is sharing your own story Mm. and your Mm -hmm. own experience of growing closer to God, self, and others. And also Mm -hmm. making sure, like I use that phraseology a lot when I talk with young people, and I also teach in a graduate program where I'm teaching ministry Mm -hmm. leaders to do similar, you know. And it's spirituality is your relationship, the quality of your relationship with God, self, and others. It's not Mm -hmm. just God, you know, because Mm -hmm. God comes to us in all forms, comes to us in relationships. Mm -hmm. That's what good discernment is about. So I think a good place, bringing that up, a good place to start with spirituality is discernment because that's not language many young people understand. They don't understand vocation. And so helping them to see God has called them by virtue of their baptism Mm. and calls them all the time. Like every day you can respond to God. Every moment is a response to the affirmative of God's activity in your life. And so to just start seeing spirituality as just a lens that you live through and always trying to grow in that. Having support groups for that because how many times, especially ministry leaders, myself included, we just forget to pray sometimes. So I think spirituality and community really goes together because we can help one another grow in our faith and in our life together, which is growing in your faith. So I think young people would just, they would benefit so tremendously of having people be accompaniers and share their journey and say, a lot of things I ask my students to do, what they're doing right now actually, is a spiritual autobiography to go through and look at the points in your life that were ups and downs. Where was God present? Was it in mentors that you were with? Was it in books that you were reading? Was it in the natural world that you found God's glorious mystery and the awe that we feel when we see a beautiful sunset? I mean, awe and joy comes from God. And so just to kind of trace those things and name it and ask someone to do something similar. And a lot of times young people can name their journey but they can't name God's activity in it. That's what accompaniment can be about, really walking side by side and saying, oh, at this low point here, when that person came to you, that could have been an experience God was saying of comfort and consolation and looking at compassion and mercy. And those experiences of great compassion or great empathy could have come from God. To really name God moments where they might not have that language to do it. And then they start to see it and look through their lives through the lens of God's love for them. And a lot of folks I've talked to that are older, 70 and older, a lot of religious sisters, spiritual directors Mm -hmm. even, they've said, we were never taught to share our story. And I thought, oh, this is it. 
I get it now. Like, so we're just saying, be a person of faith, go to church, do these things. But no young person can see themselves doing that if they've never had someone share their story Mm -hmm. about doing that. Like, Mm -hmm. why going to Mass was ever important to them? So being able to articulate the joy we have for our faith can be explosive and draw young people in if we can do that well. One of the areas that I find important for us to understand and address are the many pressures that people are under nowadays, not just adults, but everyone. And I think especially young adult people, because they're being hit from all different sides. What can we do to assist them to assuage some of those pressures? The biggest challenge facing our young people today is mental health related Uh, and economic as well. So the crushing cost of living, the low wages, it's happening. It's very hard for a young person trying to start off to even live alone. A lot of times that's why they're living with their parents, but the mental health issues have been on the rise. And I think it's Mm -hmm. become like a national epidemic. And it's not just here. England has called it an epidemic there. It's in a Mm -hmm. lot of places. But back to our conversation about spirituality, there's There's clinical evidence that spirituality helps with mental health. There's a woman named Lisa Miller who does this work in psychology, and they found that spirituality is biological. Mm -hmm. And that means that we should also be talking about spirituality in places like counseling, but Mm -hmm. they probably still aren't. But just helping young people have the tools to grow in their spirituality helps with their mental health. And a lot of times what we have found is, especially in high schools and and young adults in their early 20s, they think they need counseling. And a lot of them do, of course. I wouldn't knock that ever. But what they're finding is what they need is just somebody to talk to. They actually just need someone who cares about them. And that this loneliness epidemic and the mental health crisis that we have is compounded on this generation. And so just walking with them, saying you are seen and known, loved and valued. I know you. How do we fix this? How do we create greater hospitality in our churches? How do we go out and identify these young people and say, you are loved by God. Can I walk with you? How is your life going today? Checking in with them. We know who they are. They got baptized in our churches or they got married. Like we have some records and that's a good place to start. When I held listening sessions with what we assumed were affiliated young adults, they said to everybody that was facilitating them, they said, first off, we didn't know anybody cared what we thought about our faith first. Second off, this was amazing. Can we come and do it more often? They wanted a place to talk about their lives. And they created a small Christian community out of a listening session. And then they said, you know, my friends who left the church would really benefit from this. So we always think like, oh, these people have left. We don't know where they are. The young adults that have not left know where they are. They're their friends, mm-hmm. by and large. You know, mm-hmm. that's a broad generalization, but it's true. So if we can connect well to the young adults that are in our communities, not just through mass, and the sacraments are wonderful, but we have to offer more than that because they're not feeling a sense of community at church sometimes because they're not seen and known. We're using the word community pretty loosely. You know, back in the day, there was really robust small Christian communities in parts of Eastern Africa and other parts of the world. They're thriving. And that's how young people are thriving is in small communities. And so I think that if we can create those communities within our parishes, I think we'd have a much better chance helping them navigate life. Well, Dr. Tracy Lamont, unfortunately, our time is up and I love your insights. And I thank thank you. you so much for giving those and sharing those with us, but also for the listeners to make sure that they're kind of open to that same spiritual movement to know that we have to be concerned with one another in this global community, body, mind, and spirit. Thank you for having me. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. The church celebrates the feast of Pope St. Leo the Great on Friday. To tell us more is Elena Chepke. She is from St. Joseph Church in Austintown. Leo the Great, known as the Saintly Pope, died on November 10th in the year 461. 
he was declared a doctor of the church in 1754. Born in Tuscany around 395, he was Roman in education and in mentality. In the year 440, he was in France in order to reconcile warring factions, and from there, he was called by the people and the clergy to succeed Pope Sixtus III. As Pope, he defended the faith against heresy, and in 443, convoked an assembly to expose common errors against the church. In his pontificate, Leo defended the doctrine of the Incarnation through the Council of Chalcedon. He was without doubt the most influential personage of the fifth century. The prayers of the Mass, taken from the Sacramentary of Verona, touch on three aspects of his personality. First, the opening prayer is based on the text, Thou art Peter. We ask God, never allow the power of hell to prevail against your church founded on the rock of the Apostle Peter. In the second lesson for the Office of Readings, there is a quotation from the sermon preached by Pope Leo on the anniversary of his Episcopal ordination. It shows that his awareness of being the successor of St. Peter is very modern. The second aspect is also found in the opening prayer where we ask, through the prayers of Pope Leo the Great, keep us faithful to your truth and secure in your peace. Not only did St. Leo establish peace in ecclesiastical matters, but he persuaded vandals not to burn the city or murder its civilians. The third aspect is found in the prayer after communion, in which we pray, under your powerful guidance, may the church grow in freedom and continue in loyalty to the faith. Pope Leo instituted some new feasts, such as the chair of St. Peter, and he gave greater emphasis to the feast of Christmas. He also replaced pagan celebrations with the penitential practice of fast and abstinence to mark the four seasons of the year. He is the great defender of the mystery of the incarnation and champion of peace and freedom for the church. The testimony of St. Leo the Great, defender of the incarnation and promoter of church unity can be a stimulus for the fostering of peace and fidelity in our own day. As he stated in his allocution on his election as Pope, as what Peter believed about Christ is always valid, so also what Christ gave to Peter will always endure. For Wineskins, I'm Elena Chepke. Hello. I'm Bishop Dave Bonner, Bishop of the Diocese of Youngstown. As you may know, my Episcopal motto is that all may be one. This prayer for unity was Jesus' prayer at the Last Supper and is so important for us in today's divided world. That all may be one can be a prayer for each of us to heal divisions that separate us from one another. It can also be a prayer for unity in our hearts, nurturing in each of us an undivided care for every human life. Pope Francis has challenged Catholics and all people of goodwill to be consistent in caring for all who are vulnerable. Our concern for life can never be divided and must include the preciousness of life in the womb, the needs of a woman and families, and a committed response to protect the human dignity of all who experience poverty, violence, incarceration, illness, addiction, racism, 
and the effects of environmental disasters. As a bishop, my responsibility first and foremost is to shape hearts and care for souls. I'm a faith leader, not a political one. And the main way we as a church respond to the great needs of our times is in the way we live out our mission. As Bishop of Youngstown, I am grateful to our Catholic charities and parishes throughout our six counties for the concrete ways they accompany women, children, families, and those in need every day. While I would never as Bishop endorse a political candidate, there are times when the church will weigh in on public matters informed by the gospel. I come before you now to address an important matter that it appears we will all have to vote on in November. United with my brother bishops in Ohio and with the faithful in dioceses throughout our great state, I am urging you to vote no on the proposed amendment in November that would enshrine and expand abortion in our state's constitution. As Pope Francis reminds us, the church is called to form consciences, not replace them. Each of us is responsible for how we live faithful citizenship, and I ask you to study this amendment carefully. Our Catholic concern is that it will make women less safe and is therefore a threat to our consistent concern for life. It will even take away parental rights, putting minors who seek abortion at risk. We also believe that this extreme amendment will only exacerbate the divisions in our society over abortion, allowing it even up to birth. Abortion has been a polarizing issue in our country for over 50 years. Our Catholic tradition has consistently opposed abortion, and we have mourned the many lives that have been lost. It is important that we accompany by listening to one another, even in our disagreement. We must especially listen to women and families as they share their experiences and needs. Unfortunately, the new proposed amendment to Ohio's Constitution does not put women first. Although it claims to secure what it calls reproductive freedom and protections for health and safety, it would actually put women at risk. It would remove existing health and safety standards, such as informing women of the risks of seeking abortion. In addition to putting women at risk, the proposed constitutional amendment would put minors at risk. By using the term individual, instead of adult or woman, anyone under 18 would be able to seek an abortion without parental notification or consent. Finally, this amendment would allow for abortions of fully formed babies in the womb. It would legalize abortion at any time in pregnancy for any purported health reason, which could include physical, emotional, psychological, familial, or the woman's age, allowing for abortions when the baby can feel pain or even until birth. Even for those who support abortion, this is extreme. What can we do in the face of this amendment, which is a clear threat to life? The first thing always is to pray. 
As I wrote in my recent pastoral letter on living the virtues of faith, hope, and love, prayer must always be first. Virtue always flows from authentic prayer, rooting us in God's love. As we continue the Eucharistic revival, I want to also encourage you to take your concern, worry, perhaps even anger, to prayer at Mass and at Eucharistic Adoration. Second, educate yourself on this amendment. Our parishes will continue to have resources available about this amendment and why it is so concerning. The lay staff of the Catholic Conference of Ohio, supported by our Ohio bishops, is producing these resources and they are our official Catholic response to the amendment. There is a lot of noise out there about this issue. Please be sure to educate yourself carefully with the resources we provide and to educate others with love. Finally, make sure you are registered to vote and vote no on November 7th. You might also consider efforts to help others register and to get out the vote. My dear friends in Christ, in the midst of our efforts to protect life, wherever it is threatened, let us never forget Jesus' prayer that all may be one. And now I just ask you to bow your head and join me in a moment of prayer for this very important endeavor. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God, protector of all life, we seek your grace and presence on this endeavor. Help us to work together, not only to be one, but to ensure the dignity of every human being from the womb to the tomb. And help us to go forward always in a spirit of trusting faith, hope, and love. And be with us now and always. We ask this through Christ our Lord, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. For more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. By the time we can walk, each of us yearns for the joy that comes from being able to do for ourselves. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Church World Service. The song we have for you today is from the CD called The Table of Plenty. It is by John Michael Talbot. Sweet. 
And to tell us about the scriptures for this 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time is Deacon Kevin Bertleff. If you have seen The Beauty and the Beast, then you probably remember the character Gaston. Gaston is the one who is charismatic and handsome, admired by many for his strength and good looks. And with those many positive traits, Gaston was quite arrogant and caught up in the external. Believing that he was the embodiment of masculine perfection, he constantly boasted about his achievements and expected admiration and adoration from everyone around him. And in his arrogance, he cannot believe that Bell would reject and humiliate him. Simply put, Gaston struggled with getting caught up in appearances. It's easy to get caught up in appearances, especially at times for us as followers of Christ to say the right things and follow religious rituals without any genuine conviction or desire to grow. We may at times do acts of charity and service solely for recognition and praise. We may participate in different rituals and traditions without understanding their deeper and spiritual significance. We may go to church regularly, recite prayers, and appear righteous on the outside. But if our hearts are far from God, our words become empty and meaningless. In our gospel today, Jesus warns us about the danger of empty words and getting caught up in those external appearances. He rebukes the scribes and the Pharisees for their outward display of piety while neglecting the true essence of their faith in their hearts. Speaking of those scribes and Pharisees, Jesus says that they preach, but they do not practice. 
their works are performed to be seen. Jesus reminds them and us today that it is not our words or external appearances that give life to our faith, but how we live these words, how those words become ingrained in our very being in the depth of our hearts. Jesus calls us to be authentic in our faith, to align our actions with our beliefs, and to let our words be a reflection of the love and compassion that dwell within us. Let us take a moment to examine our hearts and lives honestly. Are there parts of our lives where we may be caught up in the external? Do we at times seek recognition and praise from others rather than seeking to honor God with a sincere and humble heart? The scribes and Pharisees so often got a bad rap, but their struggle with appearances is not theirs alone. Jesus' words that whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted were a necessary reminder to the people of his time and is perhaps just as necessary and important for us today. Christ is warning us about the danger of talking the talk but not walking the walk. That is, Jesus warns the crowd and his disciples to not follow the example of the scribes and the Pharisees because they do not practice what they preach. They know the Jewish law well, and they enforce it for others, but they do not do so out of love of God and neighbor. As we strive to live out our faith, may we be mindful of our own words and actions, recognizing when they may be caught up at times with appearances. May we be mindful of our intentions and seek the Lord's grace to please God above all. May we seek to be genuine disciples, not just in appearance, but in the depth of our hearts and by every word and deed. May our lives always be a witness to the transformative power of God's love and our good works done in humility, not to be seen, not out of pride or feeling as if we are owed something in return, but simply to glorify our God. For Wineskins, I'm Deacon Kevin Burliff. The greatest among you will be the one who serves the rest. If you and I could believe that, we would become better women and better men, and this world would be a better place in which to live. Wineskins is made possible through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. The program is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm Father Jim Corda, saying thank you for being with us. Have a blessed week. And we have Wineskins encourage all of you to pray for an increase in vocations to the priesthood and religious life. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? 
You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to PovertyUSA.org today. Because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.